0: This is the Car Dealer podcast driven by Cargurus. You want the best return from your advertising budget and Cargurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With Cargurus Piston Heads, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites who can turbocharge your digital forecourt. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. For a limited time only, get 10% reduction off your new subscription when you tell them that we sent you. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk. Hello, this is the Car Dealer Podcast, our little corner of the week, where myself, James Baggett and a willing guest talk about the news of the last seven days like most things at car dealer magazine nothing is normal and therefore we've had to make this into a little competition or quiz so if you've never listened before this is the car dealer quiz i am contributing editor of car dealer rebecca chaplin joining james and i this week is will blackshaw of blackshaws hello will um how are you doing
1: Yeah, no, very well, thank you. A little bit tired, but uh, very well.
0: Since we spoke last, you've obviously been able to open your showrooms again, and you've taken on some new brands, so it sounds like very exciting times from what I've seen on um, LinkedIn, and even I've seen you put a load of EV points in today.
1: Yeah, no, we, um, uh, as you rightly said, got going with the MG franchise, mainly, and Isuzu, um, since lockdown. Um, MG obviously very much focused on the, the EV technology, so... I didn't want to spend too much money being a being a northerner um, <laughs> we came up with a solution where we added x ex, one extra charge point um, and rerouted them on a fence line every other bay which allowed us to basically utilize the charge points plus one and create 20 bays that could access a, a charging point so um, I actually impressed myself with that idea I must say <laughs> but it's you know you know, I know all the figures are showing massive growth, but it, it is where we're going. So um, it gives us the infrastructure now as well to add charge points on as and when the demand's there. Um, so we've put all the infrastructure in um, to allow us to, to be honest, to probably go up to 100 charge bays as time progresses. So, yeah, exciting times.
0: Did you ever do many um, electric cars when you had Nissan and the Leaf?
1: Yeah, no, it was uh, obviously the Leaf at the time was pretty much the the main electric car on the road wasn't it um, mm. back then. and we, we we had more success with the second-hand ones if I'm honest um compared to the new ones I think it was just down to the price and it got to the price point where a, a second-hand leaf I guess was a, a financial risk that you could afford to take as a consumer um mm. and if it didn't work out it wasn't the end of the world whereas a brand new one obviously the depreciation I think made it a, a difficult transaction for people but um the second-hand ones definitely was of success.
0: What are you seeing with the um, mgs then
1: um yeah um we're seeing a lot of success with the mg uh, five from the electric point of view and um, the zs electric is um not as popular as the mg5 but there's definitely ex- uh, an interest in, in the
2: the five estate model
0: cool so james how are you finding this week
2: It's been absolutely bonkers, if I'm honest. I um, my feet haven't touched the ground. It's just been crazy, hasn't it? I mean, the news has not stopped coming. Um, We had a new starter on Monday, new writer who joined the team on Monday, Jack Williams. Um, So I spent a a day trying to get him up to speed with stuff, Um, and then we did some more on Tuesday. But I mean, we were all writing content yesterday, weren't we? Um, there was five of us ploughing through stuff, and I think all of us were really busy. It's just been crazy. I mean, I don't know how we're going to get through it all. I've got a lot of stories on my list. I'm going to have to try and shorten them a little
0: bit. Yeah, didn't someone say to you that we'll still be doing this on Monday?
2: Uh, yeah, they did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, well, we should have given you notes in advance. I'll go on advance. On again. again. <laughs> um, So if you've never listened before, James and I have both chosen our top five stories of the week. And Will is going to be our guest judge and decide who chose best. Uh, We're going to have a little chat about each story. Obviously, if someone um, has said a story already, you can't use that. But at the end, Will will tell us if we've missed anything. Um, So last time I won and I think we decided that we have officially drawn now. Yes, we have cool um so i'm gonna go first um and i'm gonna go with one of my stories which came out today i feel a little bit like this quiz become james knight arguing about who wrote the best stories rather than what are
2: the best stories definitely i But <laughs>
0: um so this story is about some dealers buying stock from online retailers such as kazoo who have uh, some cars arguably underpriced um it's worth a read of the story it turns out that this one dealer isn't the only person doing this. And um, you might have seen it on the, if you're in the car sales dealer group Facebook page, it uh, got a lot of attention in there, but um, there are other people who are buying from car supermarkets, other online retailers. Um, And as Rupert Ponton points out in it, um, some of these big retailers are possibly becoming a victim of their own policies. Um, Did you see this story, Will? Did you see this in the group?
1: I saw in the group, as uh, I didn't see it as the news article, but um, I think used car prices at the moment are just bizarre. Um, you're seeing auction prices, £3,000 in a book. You're seeing online retailers selling retail at cap clean. And I just, I've never known, you know coming up with 21 years experience next week. In fact, I've never known such uh, sort of inconsistency in pricing, but I did have to laugh at one comment and I'm not preaching it by any means, but to buy from online retailers, put them on your forecourt, and if they don't sell after 13 days, just return them, which... Yeah, that made pretty, me laugh
0: as well. <laughs> um,
2: I have to admit, you couldn't really argue with the concept, to be honest.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, I was, when, when we spotted that story, I read the, the other comment was the fact that they get free delivery as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Free, free delivery to the home. But, I mean, it just shows you, doesn't it, that the used car industry is... It's not easy, and actually, mm-hmm. you have to be an expert in 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 the cars, and you have to be an expert in the pricing. And when it's when it's changing overnight, I mean, literally, car prices are changing overnight. I did an interview today with Darren Martin from Cap HPI, which we're going to be publishing tomorrow on the website, um, and he's he's saying that. It's an absolutely crazy time. The prices are going up uh, every single day. They're struggling to keep up. The, the, their, their monthly pricing guides are out of date near enough as soon as they're published. You can see how some of these dealers, uh, some of these big online used car retailers like Kazoo that just started to come into the market uh, they're going to struggle with it. They, they haven't got the expertise that some people in the motor trade have got. And there's Chris Middlehurst from Middlehurst Carriages snapping up a Nissan X-Trail for, for, for two grand less that he can sell it on his own forecourt. I mean, very clever to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think suddenly you feel a bit nervous purchasing vehicles, but I guess it's the time now where you've just got to be brave and go for
2: it, otherwise you're not going to sell anything. Um, so you've got to, you've got to be brave at this moment in time. I mean, the other thing that, that, that Darren was saying is that there is that concern, isn't there? That, that if you buy in stock at these what look like crazy prices, it, it, will everybody in the trade suddenly catch a cold if it all suddenly drops? So, I mean, the good news is that he can't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, this is this is going to be like this for, for months ahead, he said. And even then, it's going to be a slow tell-off. We're not going to suddenly see a massive massive drop like you're getting cryptocurrencies uh, when it comes to when it comes to prices uh with used cars i think it's going to be a steady steady tail off so it would be mm-hmm. interesting to see what's happened but i mean it's absolutely bonkers at the moment mm-hmm. um gives us lots to write about doesn't it back
1: mm-hmm. i think yeah, it's, I- the transactions have got to happen at high, at, at whatever uh, place in the process whether it's at auction or on four courts to allow cap and valuations to then follow suit they they They've got to follow suit to what's happening to them in the market as opposed to them dictating the pricing in the market. So we're just going to have to, you know, it is what it is. You've just got to make the best of, of
2: what's available at the time. Mm.
0: Yeah. I think Darren just does it to um, make sure he gets into the podcast every week. <laughs>
2: Well, we'll know if he's listened to this one, won't we? Because they send us a message. So. <laughs> <laughs> Test, testing you, Darren, testing you. Okay, yeah. uh, I'll move on to my one, shall I? Um, I'm going to go with the um, shock news. Um, actually, one of your stories, Rebecca, but I won't let that um, that anybody judge that just because of that reason. Uh, the shock news that Stellantis uh, is going to be terminating all uh, contracts with two years' notice. Now, we reported on this story last Friday when there was a um, an email went out from, from, the, from the top brass at Stellantis calling everybody to this meeting on Wednesday morning. Um, we knew it wasn't going to be good news, and I think most dealers knew it wasn't going to be good news when there was no leaks. I mean, uh, as, as we well know, normally these sorts of things get out. Dealers love a gossip, and if, if, if anything about this had got out, it would have done. It didn't, um, but there was speculation that was going to be something along these lines. Am I shocked it's happened? Probably not. I mean, I think the Stellantis network is huge now. They've brought together FCA and and PSA. That's a lot of dealers, um, and probably in some areas, some territories, they've probably got five or six different partners representing the, the same their their brands, Stellantis brands. So it sort of makes sense for this to be to be done. But it's it's obviously a worry, isn't it? Because Some of these dealers, I mean, I well know. I've been out and seen them. I mean, Will, you all know these dealers in this network. There's some of them are quite small, small outfits that have been with those brands for absolute years, you know, and they've invested time and effort in, in 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 promoting them and working with these companies, only to be told that they've got two years' notice. It must be an incredibly, incredibly worrying time. What did you think of this news? Will, I mean, when you saw it, I mean, and, 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 I mean, what do you think that's going through the minds of those those dealers at the moment?
1: No, obviously the, the, the headline that came out and I'm, I can never pronounce DeLantis correctly first time. So if I keep mispronouncing <laughs> it, I apologize in advance. It's one of them tongue twisters for me, but no, it's, uh, and then to be across, I believe it's across Europe as well, isn't it? Not just, the, yeah. Um, I'm very good friends with somebody who's actually recently expanded with that group. Um, and I know he's spending a considerable amount of money as a small family business. And um, I do feel for these people. Um, but it doesn't seem like five minutes ago, I guess, Ford announced termination of their network and reapply from memory because um, they were too big. Long term planning, I can see the logic. And. Um, you know, I know they don't represent the brands, but if you had a one roof covering Skoda and see it, for example, where you could share software platforms and parts catalogs and bring the cost of running a dealership down, um, you know, the future of motor retailing with electric cars, is there enough for everybody? Um, so I can see the logic of why they would want to do it. Um, it might make it easier for them to, to run groups um, of, of brands. But... It doesn't help the, the the owner, driver, dealership, as you say, who's, you know, a lot of family businesses are probably run for 20, 30, 40 years, and then suddenly the brand that you represent is no longer available, and you've got to kind of start again. Um, but there's such a portfolio as well, isn't it? Once you take them brands away where you locate, chances are there won't be another brand available. So I'd like to think a lot of them will be allowed to reapply, mind, um, I'm guessing. But
2: do you think those, those dealer networks are too big. I mean, let's I mean, let's look at Vauxhall for example. I mean, their their market share has absolutely plummeted, hasn't it? It used to be Vauxhall and Ford ding-donging at the top of the sales charts every month. Now it's they're nowhere near that. It's Volkswagen and and Ford. Vauxhall have dropped right down, but they've still got a network that that sort of is in line with that market share. I mean, it's, some of these some of these brands are going to have to change. They've probably got too many dealers, haven't they?
1: Yeah, like I remember, like Voxel as you rightly say from my younger days. I'm still quite young, I don't think. But you know, <laughs> traditionally it was what 12, 14 percent market share, as, as from memory. And now I don't know. I'm guessing it's about eight percent. I don't get too hung up on other on the manufacturers' market shares that we don't represent. But from where I live, James, you know, within a drive time of 40 minutes, you could visit one, two, three, four, five six voxel dealerships in a 40 minute drive time. Now, you know, especially nowadays with, with the way we're using online retailing, etc., it's so easy to shop around and just play them off against each other. It can't make money, you know? Um, so it, it always had to happen at some stage, but what is the perfect number of franchises for a brand? I don't know what the, the formula is, but I'm guessing somebody will have done some calculations of, of what's required but um, well, I, I can sadly see this being a, a growing trend
2: unfortunately
1: yeah i
2: mean uh, <clears throat> excuse me i can definitely i can definitely see that happening now i mean you've obviously been through it with with mitsubishi haven't you i mean you've had to you've had to totally change your 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 business model off the back of that that brand yeah yeah off that off the back of that brand disappearing i think it's going to think it's definitely going to happen more mm-hmm. um right that's my one Bet. over to you
0: who set me up perfectly for my one, which is about um, how IM Group is in advanced talks to buy Mitsubishi after sales business. Was
2: that this uh, week?
0: Yeah, that was this week, four days ago. Shocked. Um, like <laughs> yeah, it does. I had to check. I was like, is that really this week? Um, so I IM imports Isuzu and Subaru already, which to me, this sounds like good news for you, Will. But what do you think?
1: Yeah, like obviously, um, you know, we represent Mitsubishi UK at the moment. Um, we have recently started representing guys with IM. You know, rewind back to, I think it was August last year, late July, early August from memory when we got the notification of Mitsubishi's uh, future plans for Europe, which obviously was a little bit of a shock out the blue. Um, as you know, we've rep- began representing other brands and restructured what our sort of manufacturer representation looks like on the back of that. Um, obviously, soon after that, there was the talks of the Macedonian group taking over it. And obviously, that then was stopped. And then Colt Car Company looked to keep going with it as an after-sales only business. And then obviously, on Monday, it was announced, which, you know, it was sort of news to us as well, um, about International Motors taking on the franchise, I guess you still still it as. Um, obviously it keeps changing quickly, but if you said all three scenarios at the same time, I think this is probably the one that's best for everyone from a, a dealer network point of view and a customer um, care point of view. The fact that, um, you know, sadly the the franchise is going to slowly disintegrate over time, well, obviously from new cars not coming in to the funnel at the top, but it being run alongside some other brands I think can only give it sort of extra depth should we See, so I think it's a, it's a good thing overall Um, it gives us sort of continuity and the customers continuity as well. So um, I think it can only be a positive and I think I am, you know, we've not really had much experience with them yet, but this, from the early conversations, they're very nice people to deal with. Um, and I think Car- Car's done a, a great job and, you know, James, me and you sat there at a, at a live um, session at um cdx many years ago and i'd still sit to this day cold car was full of really nice people um and obviously that's going to continue with the brand now so i'm a, i'm happy
2: good that's good it's good to hear it's nice to see it getting to some form of conclusion and um hopefully hopefully a happy one i think I im group do make a success of those sorts of brands don't they i mean they've done they've done well with them in the past um and they seem to be well set up for it and Probably some of those brands are quite complementary, are they not?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, you know, oddly, there's going to be no new car competition as such. But as you say, um, the type of customers they are dealing with will be the same type of customers that the Mitsubishi brand will be. So the demographic of the customer, I'd like to think, are more or less all the same. Um, so I kind of see it not working well.
0: We'll be right back. The Car Dealer podcast is driven by car gurus. You want the best return from your advertising budgets and Cargurus piston heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites who can turbocharge your digital forecourts. Connect with in-market, high-quality buyers today. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. For a limited time only, you can get 10% reduction on your new subscription when you tell them that we sent you. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk. Now, let's get back to the quiz.
2: Okay, let's go with my next one. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the Marshall News, um, They ahead of their AGM. So I chatted to Dash Gupta on Thursday morning um, and Marshall made the bold move um, and only marshals have done this so far and they've promised to repay their furlough and retail rates cash for 2021. Uh, that's four million pounds they're going to be paying back. Um, you'll remember that Dash Gupta said um, towards the end of last year that he uh, didn't plan on claiming any furlough money in Um, 2021. Then the third lockdown arrived. um, And unfortunately, he was forced to go back to back to furlough. But true to his word, as soon as the uh, markets rebounded, he's decided to make the uh, statement that he's going to repay that money. He's uh, also said in that um, in that update that they are going to be targeting a profit figure this year of not less than 2019's result of 22.1 million of underlying profit before tax. And that's after the government cash has been repaid. Um, we had a we had a really interesting um, interview on Thursday morning. We talked a lot about um, agency sales and Stellantis and uh, and bonuses, importantly. Um, and he and he said that on the bonus front, he hasn't taken a bonus for last year. He was entitled to. Uh, he he hit all of his all all of his targets that he was in line, but he didn't feel it was right to take that bonus when when they've been taking taking government cash during the year, which is. You know, fair play, fair play to Dash. I mean, he he's definitely a, definitely a leader who who likes to stick his head above the parapet, and he's certainly done that once again with this. And nice to see uh, because we haven't seen the same from from the other listed dealer group bosses. Um, they haven't come out and said they're going to repay that repay the money. I mean, Robert Forrester said to me last week in an interview on Cardia Live as well that he absolutely categorically was ruling it out Um, he said the government closed down our business by diktat he said with very little warning and they caused considerable disruption Um, and he said that was what the support was there for to make sure they didn't come out of it in a much weaker position than they went in um, and said they weren't going to be repaying any of the money so i don't know what do you think what do you think on this on this point um will i mean who's in the right who's in the wrong
1: (laughs) um a massive respect to dash you know is it I keep going back to saying I'm a young lad. I don't know if I'm a young lad anymore or not, but, um, you know, you look up to the likes of of Dash Gupta um, and, you know, aspire to be as a success as him. Um, Would I financially feel comfortable trying to repay ours? I think it would just come down to the fact that we needed that support, James. You know, I think some businesses that can afford to pay it back, I fully respect that. I don't think it was ever seen as a loan to be repaid. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the furlough pay, it wasn't for us. It's not for our business as such. It was for the staff um, to keep their mortgages paid. So it sounds a bit sort of naive, but the furlough didn't really support us really. It supported the staff, um, you know, and, you know, we've, I'd like to think that, you know, over the years, sadly, we're going to pay it back through increased corporation tax, no doubt, and um, hopefully VAT will never increase, but, um, you know, we will pay it back over time. We. Without getting too sort of blunt, we pay high, high business rates for big open showrooms, um, which obviously we've had the support of that. Don't get us wrong, but over the years we will, you know, we will be paying our our fair fair bit back. So I guess I'm going to have to favour on the side of uh, <laughs> not agreeing with me. Dash on that one, but I do respect all the businesses that have done that. It's a tricky one, you know. It is tricky. Um, I think the government's been superb in that side of things, um, but I think I hope a whole new discussion, how did COVID get handled? Um, and I think we'll talk about it for many, many years, won't
2: we? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you on the furlough, furlough cash. I mean, it's not... It, it It. did the job that it was designed to do, which was to keep people with a job uh, that wasn't available at that point of time because their business was closed, still able to have a job to go back to when the economy opened up. And and fair play to, to, to the motor trade. They've, they've taken as many people as they possibly could back when, when, when they've opened up. So it's done, it's done the job. It was designed to do the bit that kind of, I, I have a kind of moral issue with is the the rates relief. If I'm honest, Um, I think, you know, that, that money is, is seen as a, it goes straight on the bottom line, doesn't it? That money. I mean, you, you, all, all dealers plan to spend that cash. It's written into budgets. And if you don't have to pay it, then, All of a sudden, it goes it goes on the bottom line. So, it's that's the bit that I I sort of struggle with a little bit. Um, So, it'd be interesting to see how other other dealers, um, especially as listed dealer groups, decide what to do when it comes to paying back that cash. Um, But we'll see. It's just gonna that one's going to roll on and on. I think. Yeah. yeah. Becca, over to you.
0: Um, This is a story that rolls on and on. Bristol Cars, we have to give this a mention because it has featured on the website so many times this week. Um, We even talked about it in the podcast last week. Um, If you haven't been up to date with this, investor Jason Wharton, who owns Bristol Manufacturing Limited, claims he bought the intellectual property rights to revive Bristol Cars. Um, And we mentioned that obviously last week on the podcast. However, Frost Group, who are the liquidators, and he says aren't the liquidators but they definitely are the liquidators say he definitely hasn't bought the intellectual property rights um so it's been going back and forth all week and neither are backing down on their point they say he's definitely not bought it he's done something different he says he definitely has done it and he's definitely going to do this still um it just doesn't seem to end
2: it rumbles on and on doesn't it this one john, <laughs> john, john bowman's been covering this one for us and it's like it pops up on our on our slack group Oh, got another update on the Bristol thing. So-and-so said the other person wasn't right. And now so-and-so said the other person's not right. It's just been like story story ping pong, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think we're probably just going to have to let this one go now. Otherwise, we will be writing about it forever.
0: Yeah, I just think it's funny because it's a brand that like had died anyway. And... Now they've both managed to revive it somehow by just talking about it non stop. Like, we've used the picture of the Br- Bristol logo, I think, three or four times on the website. I mean, that's unheard of.
1: Yeah, I don't know much about the story to be honest. I've, I've tried to read up, and as you say, it's a little bit like what on earth is going on, but I, I absolutely <laughs> love the logo. I just love the it reminds me of like a bit of a historical Budweiser sort of look
2: and feel to it. And, mm. and I think like it's a really cool logo. Maybe that should be the next update. Will Blackshaw loves Bristol's logo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, I just, I don't, I'd love to know more about it. I think that's a problem though, when when things don't make sense and I we just want to know what
2: the actual story is. We don't want to say that one too loudly because John Bowman will hear us and then he'll pitch that story to us on Monday morning. Yeah,
0: true.
2: Anyway. Anyway, my, my go?
0: Yes. Um,
2: I'm going to go with the news that Volkswagen Group confirmed uh, to us this week that it's considering an agency sales model across its brands uh, after a leaked letter told us that's exactly what they were going to do. Uh, We heard heard from some dealers this week that um, they'd been sent a letter uh, marked highly confidential, and I love it when you get a letter that's marked highly confidential, shared with you, um, and basically saying that the battery electric vehicles um, that – uh, sold across the Volkswagen group um, are going to move to this agency sales model after they tried uh, the uh, similar similar format in Austria and Germany and it worked well and um, Volkswagen's now confirmed they're going to do it do it over here um, so agency sales models are where um, the manufacturer deals with the with with the sale uh, on their on their website and the dealer network gets charged or gets gets paid a handling fee to hand it over um, Totally changing the way that, that, that dealers are dealers are set up at the moment. And then off the back of that, very soon afterwards, the next day, Mercedes um, said that they were going to do the same thing. Um, it's, well, they haven't confirmed they're going to do it, but there are very strong rumours, once again. Um, they just weren't quite as bold as Volkswagen in confirming it to us when we asked them. Um, but it looks like this is the big change, isn't it, for the industry? Um, agency sales uh, model, looks like it's probably gonna be the future for a lot, of these, a lot of these brands as they're looking to take control of the sales themselves um, and then f- funneling them out for the, for the handling at, at, at dealers. Will, what do you think? I mean, if, you, if your manufacturer partners came to you and said, right, we're moving to an agency sales model, would you go, that's brilliant news or probably gonna be leaving now?
1: It's a very mixed emotions. I quite like the way VW structured it only on the electric cars but obviously that's all they're going to make in the future anyways. So eventually they will all be done by an agency model. I guess very the big question. Is... Sorry? Very good point. Yes. I thought that was a, a clever way of saying, don't worry, it's not all the models yet. Um, but <laughs> I guess it comes down to what is the handling fee. And as I say, I, I, I wouldn't say yes or no. I think it's very mixed emotions. What I mean by that is, um, you know, if, if we sell a car on contract higher today, we're getting technically a handling fee anyways. If we sell a car via Motability, we're getting a handling fee anyways. So it's not too distiff, a major change in that respect. Um, Traditionally, handling fees are are lower than doing a retail deal. Um, Then obviously, you'd be expecting the manufacturer, I guess, to underwrite the part exchange to, to structure a deal where I'm then guessing that you'd be given the opportunity to purchase that vehicle. So you wouldn't be missing out on the part exchange, I don't suppose. Um, if the handling fees of a fair amount and consumers are coming in and buying the car at the retail price, you know, is it really any different to what we're doing? All we're doing today is discounting the retail price and taking a less margin anyways. So if you can sell as many cars with a fixed fee higher than what your retailing cars for today, then I don't see it being a, a massive issue. Again, as I say, and then if you can get the car exchange at the, at the right price, um, I can see it being okay, to be honest. Um, but we're humans, we don't like change, do we? That's the thing.
2: Um, it's gonna come down to the detail though, isn't it? Because I mean, little things like that, part exchange, if the manufacturers suddenly decide to do the whole on, the whole sales journey online, dealing with everything from part exchanges to finance, etc., that takes away a lot from the dealer. I mean, it's, it's, from what I understand it, some of these agency sales models will simply be a case of, you need to hand over this car to this customer, And then after that, you get the you get the servicing work. So it's there are going to be some long and intense discussions about this, aren't there? Before before we get it,
1: it it, it simply comes down to what would the handling fee be? It's as simple as that. Yes, does that cover the cost of your bills and make you a profit? Um, You know, if they're talking about a very small handling fee, and then you're missing out on the opportunity to upsell, you know, your your paint protections, your accessories. As as long as the the, the, the profit still comes it doesn't really matter how, how you get it in my opinion um, as long as it's controlled Try to, you know going back to traditional positive and negative lists you know the other thing is God forbid the customer rejected the vehicle you know they're rejecting the vehicle from the manufacturer so you'd like to think that makes life a little bit easier for you in that respect but you know that's far and few between to be honest how often that happens but um, you know I guess there's cases for and cases against
0: um, I do think like You would think that businesses like vw bmw if they want to do this they'll do it because they think they're going to sell more cars or at least i'd like to think that and if someone came to me and said we're going to sell more cars and you're still going to make money from every single one but you're not going to have to worry about all the like advertising and stuff like that they're just going to come to you that sounds really good but then also the other side of me like that sounds a bit too good to be true doesn't it yeah
1: yeah i think concern is how much control then you don't have
0: um... yeah and you gradually probably lose more and more control until they do the whole thing
2: and they can't how do they force force registrations into the market you know there's not gonna be no bulk deals is there for for big dealer groups when they need to hit their numbers they're gonna we're not past that now well we sort of are past that now but then it, it doesn't take much for us to get back to it does it
0: no
1: no. We, so, we, we were kind of getting new cars to pre reg because we were working on
2: semiconductors. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
2: No chance of that anytime soon. Mm. Was that yours or mine?
0: That was yours. That
2: was yours, yeah, Jim. <laughs> oh. Right, yours then. Why are you so confused by that? I don't know. I'm just, I, I th- it's like I've fallen asleep. The <laughs>
0: <day>. <laughs> um, my, this is my last one because I had this Atlantis one as well. Um, And I went for, Elon Musk could build a UK factory. Um, He's been back for two days this week. I think that's, is that confirmed?
2: Yeah, he's definitely been here.
0: Um, So, yeah.
2: In in the process.
0: (laughs) I'm sure he spent his cryptocurrency to hire the plane. Yeah, Um, Yeah, it was quite an interesting story because there was talk about how He's doing this because he's not getting along with his German factory very well, and someone said that doesn't really make sense to make batteries here for Germany. And it did make me think: is this all just a big play to try and make German legislation kind of move faster for him? Um, But we always like a built in Britain story, don't we?
2: Maybe he just wanted to go to Luton. (laughs) It's a beautiful town, isn't it? I mean, maybe, maybe he wanted to just get a private jet, come from California. Pop to loot and have a little look round and go home again. Can you oh, go to cost-
0: Bristol as well though?
2: Well, I mean, why wouldn't you want to go to Bristol as well?
0: Down the M4. Lovely. Down
2: the M4. Some great services on the M4. So <laughs> they use them all, isn't he? I'd like to see this happen. I definitely would like to see this happen.
1: Um I think he's just he's too tempted by Rishi's super super tax. That's yeah. Tempted him, I think.
2: Yeah, apparently the Department for International Trade has been on the hunt for this 4 million square foot location. So he's obviously getting some help, isn't he? And I mean, it would be nice to have that sort of, that sort of business over here.
1: Well, uh, like obviously based on the Northeast, we know how important the, the Nissan factory is to, to our economy in the Northeast. So, you know, if they can build it in an area, it, it can only be a positive thing um, for, for economies, you know? Yeah, true. Mm. But shall I do one?
2: I've got a few. I've completely lost the plot. I mean, I think I've done three. I'm not sure. Mikey,
0: I was just looking at the website thinking, I'm sure we've done some others that I don't want to miss out
2: on. You seem to have been talking a lot more than I have. No change there. Right.
0: (laughs) I honestly think your brain shut down for most of this. I think
2: it has as well. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to go with a story that I've just posted, uh, which was an interview with logistics uh, logistics boss Joel Coombs. Uh, he was talking about the uh, a warning for car dealers facing an onslaught of legal challenges. He's already noticed that court cases against the motor trade have risen 20 percent um, on this time last year. And interestingly, he thinks this is because people have been stuck at home on furlough. Um, they've been looking at their um, looking at their cars on the drive and and decided and they want to try and get out of them and try to push them back into dealers. Um, and these these cases seem to be coming out of the woodwork. It's also been helped, no less, by uh, ambulance-chasing solicitors. I and mean, we've talked in the podcast before, haven't we, about these GDPR problems um, uh, and that what logistics think. There, there will be some cases uh, for these solicitors when it comes to click and collect. Um, we know that the rules are very different about distance sales regulations. Not everybody followed them quite to the letter of the law. Um, and there's they're seeing these seeing these problems seeing these problems arise. So there's yeah, there's a there's a video interview with Joel on, on the website at the moment, um, which is which was really interesting. I mean the other thing was we we talked about and um, we, we've talked about this a lot, haven't we, in the past? But logistics really were at the forefront of coming out with some bold statements, be that furlough and commissions, or quick and collect policies and test drives. More recently, that that team did a superb job when it came to um, helping helping the motor trade out. And um, it was nice 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 to chat to chat to Joel and uh, and Nona about making those bold calls you know they made some big calls didn't they during that during that pandemic and i think it certainly helped the motor trade i mean what do you what do you think well i know you know joe quite well too yeah like
1: um it seems a long time ago now back to to sitting um at the start of the first lockdown etc and i I remember like five o'clock ish every night you were sort of waiting for for boris's update weren't you for the for the initial period but then from a car dealer magazine stroke logistics point of view you, you were waiting for the nona the the nona update of what we can and can't do um so no it was, a, it was like a news article stroke strategy stroke really strong advice for the motor trade and to be honest you were just relying on these guys keeping you right um logistics done a superb job um, no question about it um so i think there would have been a bit of more nervousness of how to operate without that advice so um as i say joking on you were, you were kind of waiting on what knowing i was going to update you on next and that was kind of what you you ran with you know um, so very very appreciative to the guys at logistics for for what they did
2: for the industry um, yeah definitely fair play to them for, for, for
0: i really um enjoyed the video as well it was an interesting watch just from the point of view of as you say they were obviously doing loads during the pandemic and when everything started so hearing that side of the story from joel i thought was very interesting and just a bit of kind of behind the scenes to what to look out for i always like a bit of
2: that yeah. yeah definitely um back to you
0: that was all my stories
2: was it um so i've done logistics Stellantis, volkswagen agency
1: And you've done four as it goes, but you've got
2: one in hand if you one in hand. I'll take it. I've been taking
1: my notes, <laughs>
2: imprecise. <I've been laughs> Maybe it's because we talked about the same one. Okay. Yeah, I'll, we did. I'll um I've got two um to choose from. I've got Pendragon Boss's Bill Berman's shareholder rebellion over his multi million pound pay deal. Um, and... non hmm? story. Non story. Non story. But well, they they voted for it then, so they did, but only yeah. I mean, he got he only seventy nine percent of them. No, it wasn't. It was not that high. Because, yeah, it was. Was it? I wasn't here on the day. Oh yes, oh yeah, seventy nine percent. Um,
0: off the top but, of my head as well.
2: Very good. Yeah, seventy nine point one to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, but their their head of their remuneration committee only got fifty nine percent of the vote. To, to
0: yeah, um, and it does when you actually look at the numbers. Obviously, their shares aren't they? So they're there's a lot of votes in there but when it says like it was like 433 million people have voted against and it's like oh that's it's no, quite no. a lot of votes it?
2: it's not it's not a referendum no. uh, <laughs> uh but I'm not going to go with that one uh I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with cinch which the news that came out today of oh, raising yes. one Billion pounds from private equity, uh, so this is BCA and We Buy Any Car owner. The Constellation Automotive Group says it's raised one billion in private capital capital to pump into Cinch. Um, the money's come from Abu Dhabi's Investment Authority and a number of other uh, funds advised by the Soros Fund Management. Um, but one. Billion. I mean, it doesn't say what the valuation was, what that that money was raised on. That would be very, very interesting. But the point, the other point in this story I I found fascinating was it said this. they've sold 45,000 cars since its launch in October 2020. So, they're on a pretty good rate, aren't they at that? I mean, if you if you look at, I think Cinch had made a, uh, not Cinch, sorry, Kazoo had made a big um, song and dance about the fact they'd sold 25,000 cars in 18 months. Cinch seems to have blown them out of the water there. Um, they're claiming that they are the biggest now and probably probably rightly so. Um, but a billion quid—that's a lot of money, isn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, I think they—they they say they're going to use it for this European expansion. And uh, we're, again, we've talked about this in the past, but Europe and, it, and the used car market is is pretty stuck in the medieval times. So uh, there's there's a there's a lot for there's a lot of expansion to ha- to to be had over there. Uh, I think this is going to be the next battleground for for the likes of Cinch and Kazoo and possibly Cars. You know, this is a. This is what they need to do. If they want to make it really big, they're going to have to have to hit Europe. What do you what do you think, Will? Well,
1: you know, a billion pound. I don't even know how many zeros you've got to write down to make a million. (laughs) Because I know I'll never get anywhere near it, so I don't even know how much money a billion pound is. It's, um, but you know, you were giving them numbers forty-five thousand. I know I'm I'm just amazed that Kazoo hasn't been a a story today from you, James, because I know you like a a Kazoo story, Uh, but I suppose you've snuck it in there alongside another story but you know for me um I don't get too up on the numbers that these guys are doing but I go a little bit old school and see how often do you see the wagons in your area because if you've seen a wagon in your area you, you know you're seeing sales um but I think and it's been sort of highlighted before by other uh, other uh, members of the, the industry where I think it if anything, it gave us a sort of a kick up the backside to get online retailing even more and doing more online delivery ourselves. Because I think we would have shied away for it even longer and longer had we had we not seen what the likes of Cinch and uh, Kazoo were doing. So, um, you know, the benefit we've got is you know we've got very busy after-sales departments, which keep, brings continuous footfall in our showrooms with people that trust us. So. I'm not too hung up I think especially being quite in a rural area as well it's not as much of an issue um so I think we're okay where we are um being a small family business in two small towns you know we can sort of just penetrate our local market areas but we've got the facilities now to allow us to sell cars like I was in Aberdeen delivering a car on Monday evening um so we have got the, the scale to do deliveries nationwide if we have to but it doesn't need to be our business model. And so I think if we stick to what we're good at, looking after the local areas um, and then you know doing stuff online we can do. Um, so fair play to them. I'll let them to go hammer and tong at each other um, and hopefully they'll drive each other's prices down and by the sounds of it, we can buy some
0: stock off them if we get <laughs> This is going to sound like a bit of a tangent, but um, I used to think why I would just would not buy a car if Ryland recommended it. And then I watched the advert and I thought, I know I can see why people would buy cars from Cinch once you've seen the advert. But I just, I wondered, obviously, I found this the other day on my phone. I found a picture of Johnny Ray stood between Ant and Deck in your showroom. Um, and I wondered if that did actually make a difference for you, having that Ant and oh, yeah. Deck relationship. Well, it's a big spend though, isn't it, for Suzuki? What well, Suzuki was it?
1: Five billion rings a bell. Um, you know, it was great fun. We got to, you know, as a network, we we got to meet them as well. At, well, meet them the way at one of the events, which you know, to me, it was really good fun. And I don't know, maybe it's because we're from the northeast. We, you know, Ant and Dec are our heroes alongside Alan Shearer. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if there was a, person, a bit more sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, sort of emotional attachment to Ant and Deck from the northeast. But you know, I still remember them driving. The, the adverts with the sat nav and telling doing the sat there with a voice over the sat nav and, the and suzuki is a really fun franchise again full of really good people um and it was just great fun um and again having the, the deck in the showroom the best thing was people used to turn around and sort of get a little jump up. <laughs> they didn't realize <laughs> it, it was a car.
0: <laughs> but yeah. yeah i guess being you being in the northeast it must have been actually quite good for you people wanting to like actually resonating with them more
1: yeah, and then obviously there was opportunities from memory where, you know, tickets, tickets could be won to go to the, to the shows and stuff like that from memory. So mm. uh,
0: Yeah, it used to be on Saturday Night Takeaway, didn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think them days, sadly, for, for any manufacturer, you know, spending that sort of level of, of money on sort of relationships with celebrities, should we call it, um, is probably not high up on the agenda, unfortunately, anymore. But it was good. It was great fun. Um, it brought energy, and it cannot have been a bad thing, especially for the northeast.
0: Mm, I can't think of anyone else doing anything like that now.
2: No. no Apart no, from obviously Kazoo and their football, and yeah. what
0: about
2: um, Sang Yong and um, Vinnie Jones? I mean, you would love to. I'm, yes. I'd love to buy a car, of Vinnie Jones, surely. Uh, <laughs> see,
1: obviously, if you're into football like that, it's great. You know, uh, I know I Zuzu obviously worked with Carl Fogarty, but I think it's such a—you've um, got to be sort of interested in, in that hobby or interest it's got to be a hobby or interest whereas Anton and deck appeal to so many people then the kids seem to like them right through to the you know, the older generation
0: mm, we were talking about uh, club bars the other day and how long these adverts hang on for but it just
2: i still think Anton and deck and suzuki i mean that's quite that is quite a tangent that you would buy carf ryland and club bars <laughs> i mean we've we've hit a new low on the podcast <laughs> <laughs>
0: not I just think it's interesting because I when I heard I was like why on earth would you want Ryland to promote Cinch sorry to Cinch and um I'm sure you have excellent marketing people who obviously know things better than I do but it just seemed like a totally bizarre I just and he's obviously very good heard him on the radio the other day but when I look back and I had to watch I had to re-watch his x-factor edition or whatever it was the other day and I was like how have we reached this point like it just doesn't the whole thing doesn't make sense to me but it works
2: Great teeth, really good teeth, good beard. I'm just looking at this picture now. <laughs>
0: anyway, let's segue. Will, who do you think um, has won them? Well,
1: I'm sure the rules state as well. I've got to point out stories that I think you've missed. from. Yes. Them. Um, the one story which I, I have to admit I thought was fantastic was the, the young lad that travelled right across along yes. the longest to do the donate organ donation. I didn't grab his name, but was it, some, it was such and such a distance. Um, I, yeah, it's like 4,500 miles or something, yeah. wasn't it? for his yeah. brother wasn't it brother or- i'm sure yeah. we don't do the same for our siblings but i just thought you know the industry and i've said this again many times we we get hung up on on how market share numbers and you know it's such a people industry you know making people have great experiences when they come in to purchase a car and um, it's just nice to hear them sort of stories and there uh, i thought it was a, a, a cracking story um Oh. Yeah, it
2: was a really nice one that I was trying to trying to find it on the website, but I can't find it. But yeah, I remember re- remember reading it, and I think he worked for didn't he work for Virtue Motors?
0: Yeah, he was a service yeah. advisor for Virtue. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. but it's good. I always like those sort of stories.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So no fair play to that, um, that gentleman for, for doing that. I take my hat off to him. But um, in terms of the winner, I think I'm going to have to go with dealers buying stock from online retail. It's Not that I preached. it. But I think it just sums up what a mad industry we're, we're in at times. Um,
0: <laughs> that means I'm winning now, then, doesn't it?
2: It does. I mean, to be fair, that was <laughs> that was an absolutely brilliant story. So if you didn't if you didn't win with that one, I would have had to have conceded, which I never would have done.
0: We have to say well done to Chris Middlehurst who posted it on the. Facebook page in the first place. Yes, thank you. And obviously, I identified. He even said to me that it was a bit of a PR stunt. They wanted to show just how ridiculous things were. And my well, favorite favorite line from it was that he said, "How have we got in this position that consumers can buy cars cheaper than the trade can?"
2: And five thousand people have read it so far today. So it's obviously got a lot of interest.
0: <laughs> well, wonderful. Thank you, Will. You're thank welcome. you for joining us. Yeah, thank uh, you. I've been told, I was told last week my outro was too short and I moved things through things too quickly. So if you've made it this far through the podcast, I am going to do a good outro for you now. Um, if you like it, let us know. You can tweet Cardi Mag if you prefer. Um, or if you think that we have missed anything, we'd love to know. Send us a tweet, send us an email um, or send a message through the website. If you are listening on your iPhone using the podcast app and you want to find out more about any of the stories, you can click the links in the description. However, if you're using anything else, I don't think that's possible and it will just look like a whole list of words. Um, so I've written a story which will be live on the website by the time you hear this podcast. And there you'll be able to find all of the stories mentioned today and they will be linked in chronological order so you can see how they came out. Uh, so, yes, thanks again to Will. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Goodbye.